0: Bringing Voices That Rise Above the Rumors, Complicating the Narrative, a podcast from youth shattering myths about loss and trauma in violence-riddled neighborhoods. Um, I'll start. I come from freedom.
1: From Brillo Pads. R.C. Cole and Golden Crisp Cereal, the generic version of Sugar Smacks. I am from the back house, the bottom, clustered, small, illuminated. I am from the mud, the slums, living with love.
0: From my mom's singing voice and from feeling love for my family. I'm from hide and sick and round thief run.
1: I'm from road trips down south for family reunions and Forest Preserve barbecues. From Deborah Clayton and David Clayton. I'm from the struggle and perseverance. From take care of yourself out there, Trev and show me your friends and I'll show you your future, baby boy. I'm
0: from the song of birds at sunrise and the songs of the brothers at church.
1: I'm from Sunday school early at Beacon Light and Sunday service with Mamia sitting next to Uncle Maurice.
0: And her strawberry perfume.
1: I'm from candy yams, pot roast, mac and cheese and peach cobbler.
0: From eating a little bit of everything.
1: From the big blue Chevy Suburban that my pops love dearly and the Dior coat that my mama still has in her closet on a hanger in plastic. The discipline and determination of David plus the remarkable strength of Deborah through each and every blood transfusion.
0: I'm from the fear of losing my family and loved ones.
1: I come from that small nightstand in my mama room next to the bed or that table in the front room with the lamp.
0: I'm from the wish of being a father and be close to my mother. I am proudly proudly from from everything everything and above
1: which constructs the mold of who I am and unlocks unlocks the the possibilities of what what I can can become. become. I'm Johnny Page. I'm the co-director of programs and partnerships i'm also an author circle facilitator for contextos um it's contextos chicago right but contextos is you know more than just chicago it's chicago and el salvador but in in my belief it's more than el salvador and chicago right It's, it's about um uplifting the voices of people everywhere and we just have the opportunity right now to be fortunate enough to help uplift the voices of those in El Salvador and Chicago and sort of complicate the narrative.
0: Good, good job. That was awesome. <laughs> um, my name is Jennifer Coreas. I'm Salvadorian. I am part of Contextos uh, in the team, with the team in El Salvador. I've been working in Contextos for seven years or six years and I grew passionate about reading and writing and connecting most of all. Uh, I loved, I always loved to write, but I had never done it in a community and that changed the way that I saw learning and the way that I saw uh, connections within a classroom, but also in in an environment with others. Um, I'm thrilled to be in Chicago, uh, getting to know the programs, getting to know authors as well. And I am thrilled also to see the things that we are gonna continue doing together uh, Contextos Chicago Contextos El Salvador.
2: I'm Dimitri. I am an Author circle facilitator at Contextos Chicago. Um, This summer we started our podcast Complicating the Narrative and so now that you're here Jennifer um, we figured it would make a lot of sense for us to have a conversation about podcasts, but also about the work that we do. So, the piece that we heard at the very beginning of this episode, how did that come together?
1: Most authors have what's called a bio poem at the end of their books, right? So, when they publish these beautiful memoirs, they, these bio poems is their way of identifying or talking about who they are from a different perspective, right? Um, and so, this particular bio poem is a fusion of two bio poems. One is the author, Young Trev, or YT. He's um, currently housed in um, Cook County Department of Corrections in Chicago. And then the other is from Luis Alonzo, who is...
0: He's a young man. He is also in a juvenile detention center right now called El Espino. I met him uh, two years ago. And yeah, he wrote a beautiful memoir about uh, an incident, uh, an accident, a car accident about from about his mom and the way that his family and himself uh, um, made it out so they they could provide to her mom, but at the same time have some um, uh, moments of happiness in that house.
1: All right, and so YT's is it's crazy how we pick these, right? YT's is, um, story is about um, a tragedy in the family. Um, his aunt who was Hmm. killed right the aunt was was actually killed by the cousin who who was given a drug or something something was slipped in his drink while he was away at college and it sort of like drove him crazy and so he started having this erratic behavior and it ultimately led to the unfortunate death of his mother which is yt's aunt and so he Hmm. wrote about that and then and that connection to family is what brought about this actual piece hmm. by a poem and so our reason for reading it is we um jennifer and i are presenting this at a conference and so we only had time to read something small and we thought it would be dope if we can merge to not really thinking about the background that we just found two that sort of fit that felt natural mm-hmm. to one another and then here we are talking about them now this is mm-hmm. the first time we have this conversation about <laughs> what the actual stories are about and you see the, sim- the the similarities in it and it's written in a way and we connect in a way that you can't tell who's what is from what mm-hmm. right
0: and we when we thought about the conference and and why we're gonna be there it's 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 called the incarceration nations uh, network platform and it's the launch of hundreds and hundreds of different organizations that work as uh, penitential um activists and you know from all around the world and it's to get to know each other t- so other people can also know work but also we thought that the best way to know Contextos work is to know about the life of the authors here in El Salvador and also in Chicago. So starting with this piece and talking about these stories uh, from the authors we think it's the best way to show why we do this work, uh, what Contextos is about and it's about Bringing their voices uh, amplified and right. having the stories be told by them, uh, not by us, but but themselves, and, and the power of that that has.
1: Yes. So we're just here to uplift their voices because they can't be here to uplift their voices. So and that was the point of it. So this is this will be probably this is day one of the conference that we're going out for. Um, the second day will be a panel, but in day one we wanted to make it solely about the author the authors and so people can see you know when we talk about the process in itself um, but we wanted to make sure that folks understood who the authors were who were the people mm-hmm. we were speaking for and and they're giving them giving us the opportunity to speak for them and then we'll talk more in day 2 at the panel about what context those is and how do we come to do this work any questions like about podcasting like what it is because I can't really explain it the way Demetri will explain it but um I just like this this is a, a different medium so when we talk about life of the story life of the author this is the continuum right mm-hmm. so it's not it's beyond what they put on the pages right mm-hmm. once they this is multiple ways to complicate mm-hmm. the narrative we, we want to move beyond just saying okay well they wrote these nice books and then folks don't get to hear their voices, mm-hmm. and sometimes we have to have mm-hmm. multiple mediums in which to reach people because okay. people get mm-hmm. information from different mediums, right? We're, particularly in this generation of right, everything is.
0: Yeah, it. This travels faster even. Yeah. Than uh, written word. I mean, it's just different, right? But this travels so fast.
1: Right, and we know the the we know how. You know, okay some folks may be visual learners yeah. but we we understand how the power of the word um, the spoken word mm-hmm. can transform the way folks think about certain people and mm-hmm. certain communities mm-hmm. so just think about this in a way um, if you're hearing these voices something like this regularly right or the, mm-hmm. the news or if it's a station in let's say El Salvador and you're constantly so now you're you're more Familiar with it's not such something that nobody's talking about anymore, mm-hmm. right? So in in slowly it becomes mm-hmm. language that people use and say, okay, well, um, when you're talking about insertion, you're talking about um, active and non-active gang members, right? We're, we're talking about um, being connected but not being active, right? So that's a difference. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I always I always tell people mm-hmm. that. All gang bangers are gang members, but all gang members aren't gang bangers. <laughs> I like that. So there's a difference between a gang banger and a gang member. A gang banger is someone who's actively participating mm-hmm. in the the stuff that gets sensationalized, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have gang members who are people who have that close affiliation. Um, they that was you know that was their f- bridge coming up, right? And so they're not gonna mm-hmm. just they're not gonna just even even the ones that say, "Oh man, I'm not on that no more." I just watch them on social media. It's older people and they, and they shout out to the neighborhood or shout out yeah. to the clique or whatever. And no one is like, no one is saying, oh, you on that gangbang and stuff. It's, it's a joke now, right? It becomes something fun but it's something fun that we that, that they attach themselves to, right? And so just even me talking about, I haven't been active in shit, I don't know, 20 years, right? But when I think about covering up a tattoo, with, or just uh, with the tattoo removal process, I can't, for some reason, I can't move myself to remove the tattoos or cover them up. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have a lot, I only really have one, but it's like, I'm gonna go get this covered. But, you know, I've been saying I'm gonna get it covered this five years and I still haven't gotten it covered, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm thinking, um, I think for, for El Salvador, there are, there are lots of things that need to happen right now uh politically the way as you said before the way that the gang has been criminalized and that's been the only way that it's been seen so i'm wondering if we do uh like a one-year pilot what would be some themes that would humanize the gangs back again um i don't think el salvador is ready to hear this guy it's not it's connected but not an active gay member with violence, right? Um, but what were the themes that we could bring up to start creating this awareness in different audiences? Of this kid, this guy is still a human being, and until you recognize that humanity, you know, nothing is gonna happen if you don't do it. Uh, if you, so, I think that that is the first step uh, of a of a podcast series. In El Salvador and what w- what could be some themes? well, I have different questions like um when you first started, what were the themes and how you picked them, and then how did you um, uh, how did you work with the guys to plan this this the podcast because I know it's not just to come and and, and talk like there are some planning behind mm-hmm. how how was that process? how did you prepare the guys to to be eloquent in their in 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 their stories to to be focused to have a script or how did that work
2: it was all the pieces of putting a podcast together each of our authors took on Mm -hmm. um which is a lot and and we figured out like that's a lot to do to expect them to do in to and be done in six weeks so Mm -hmm. like it a lot of those individual parts might take six weeks to learn and so like one of the things that we learned this summer is like you really got to be thoughtful about if you really do want an author from scratch to Mm -hmm. be a podcast producer for real, like you really gotta have a much longer timeline. So they have time to learn the things, get comfortable. And then what really took a lot of time is like once they, and I'll talk about how they pick the topics, but once you chose a topic, they really dove deep into the research. So knowing about PTSD, about post-traumatic stress disorder, and then just knowing it as a term and having an inkling about what you might wanna talk about, then you gotta dive deep so that when you're talking about something that's an actual thing that scientists have studied, mm-hmm. you really have to know what you're talking about, especially right. if you're going to be conveying information to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part was a big part of it. In terms of picking topics, I mean, we centered around the theme, around the, the titles complicating the narrative, because we're talking about um, changing perceptions, um, about getting people to realize that they, what they think they know is just a um, is in many cases a misunderstanding of what's actually happening, mm-hmm. um, specifically in high poverty or, and or violent neighborhoods. And those tend to go hand in hand. Um, and so in terms of choosing topics, each of the producers really thought about, um, I mean, they brainstormed and we put up on chart paper what are some, just on that theme, what are some topics that just pop out to you? And so, I mean, there's still a ton of, in the back of my journal, a ton of topics that mm-hmm. we just haven't talked about yet that, mm-hmm. duh, we're gonna get to. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you do mm-hmm. you guys deal with the question of how do I wish to be perceived? Or how do I desire to be perceived by <coughs> whomever listened to this?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that was part of the, the brainstorming process, part of the really beginning when we're thinking about, well, what is this thing gonna be? Before you have a logo, before you have a name for it, like, well, what are we, doing? Why are we saying things into a microphone and then putting that out? Um, and then along the way, I think one of the things that we really had a lot of conversations about was um, authentic voice. And so it was really important, you know, us being us, what we do, we want the lion to tell their story. And so a lot of times, which is why, again, going back to the, the theme, complicating the narrative, a lot of times, the things that are put out about our authors are not put out by them. And so people are talking about them and not talking to them and definitely not hearing from them directly. And so I mean, the whole point was that it it gives them a voice. They have a voice, but it amplifies their voice Mm -hmm. because duh, they have a voice. They've been feeling things, living things, experiencing things their whole life. It's just they haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. And so the rest of society hasn't had an opportunity to really hear from them about the headline that they hear in the news or about the, the tidbits that they get without the full context, which is what we were hoping to provide by, by having a podcast where they get to say what they feel and what they've, their experiences have been and also what they've learned along the way. And then also, I mean, just in what we do in terms of uh, authorship, we talk about the process and the product, the product and the process, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Thinking through once we actually did have those six pilot episodes we thought through like what was the experience like mm-hmm. and so if you listen to episode two in our first season Charles we went back and we talked about the experiences of conducting those interviews and so what, what's it like to talk to Sheriff Dart or at least have someone ask Sheriff Dart those questions um, so it's reflecting on the process along the way uh, in addition to actually putting out what you feel and have experienced.
1: Right, and so I was i was just thinking, as Dimitri was talking about, how if if we're looking at, just right now we're thinking about how we can do this in El Salvador, right? Complicating the narrative definitely needs to be a theme there, right? Because so, there's a narrative that says this about young men who come up in particular communities who are associated with particular groups in that country, right? But... What do the how do the young men? Because people always are, are always fascinated. with, Like, well, how do you get involved in that? Why would they get involved in that, right? So, because the young men will tell a story that's totally different than what the what the media says or what folks who not who aren't attached to it who can't see what they see, they'll have a totally different look on what it is or why they chose the lifestyle that they chose or why they're possible why they participate in the things that they participate in, and so. In this opportunity, this would be opportunity for them to be seen for who they are versus um, someone talking about them. It's it's a it's it's different because now they're talking back to the people that's talking mm-hmm. about them, mm-hmm. and but they're not talking directly to them. They're just talking about their experiences. So, mm-hmm. if in this format, if we're having a conversation, if we're in in a space and we're talking to young people in El Salvador and they're talking about whatever the group is that they're part of, or well, they're just talking about just how they came up. You don't have to focus in on your connection to the group. You can just talk about what life is like and why you make the decisions you make, right? How do we get here? So mm-hmm. we understand what, what, what is wrong, right? Um, but how do we understand what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So you talk to young people like, what happened? How do we get to this moment? And give them an opportunity to own whatever it is they want to own. And I think you'll be surprised at what comes out of that. The sort of, the sense of empowerment mm-hmm. that will come out of saying, yeah, I may I may represent this. This is may where, be where I've come from, but I'm so much more than just that, mm-hmm. right? So from someone that has you know prior previous um, gang involvement, I'm much more than just that, mm-hmm. right? But I am that too, mm-hmm. right? So why can't I be of that? but still live a productive life and do other things.
2: And it makes more sense at that point, right? For somebody who has very different experiences, who has no idea about what these young people have experienced, at that point, once you hear the context, it makes much more sense. Because your whole life, you walk around think, if you haven't spent any time in conversation with people who've had to make those choices, it seems like, wow, that's completely senseless. Like, Mm -hmm. I have no idea why you would do that. but you do have some idea once you actually hear what someone's life experience is like. And that mm. context is what's missing. That context is why so much of it seems just completely senseless. And then you jump to all kinds of conclusions when you see a group of people making decisions that you don't understand. You think there's something inherently off about that group of people. It's not. It's it's life experiences. And so there's a logical conclusion that follows from what how their life went.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, just, and, and just think about um, like the conversation we were having earlier about Maslow and the hierarchy of needs, and we're talking about the physical needs, safety, um, and moving to that this idea of self-actualization, right? In in a sense, you're coming in a space where people see. They self-actualize in the context of that group or that environment, right? And because you don't, you haven't come from that environment or don't understand the thinking in that environment, you don't see that as self-actualization. Self-actualization is something specific, right? Um, but to be able to be in a position where you can think freely for yourself, um, that's self-actualization. And but how do you get there? And who helps you get there is what determines what that looks like right Mm -hmm. so belonging if being a part of group a or group b that's my belonging this is where i feel this is my connection to family friendship all of that is connected to group a or group b um my physiological needs are being met through my connection because i don't i don't i don't have a place to stay but group a gives me a place to stay gives me a sense of being right it helps with my it helps me food, shelter, clothing, right? And then it also helps me, this is how I provide, this is how I make money, right? So all these things are being met, all these levels are being met, it's just that because the larger society doesn't see it or doesn't understand it to fit into that perfect bubble of what, how society deems you should should behave. Now, this is not to say that some things get taken way to the extreme, meaning that um, when we're talking about the violence and all those other things that get associated with the lifestyle but that's because again how do you how do you how do you make your voice be heard right how do your voice get heard your voice get heard when you challenge others mm.
0: I'm, I'm thinking trying to think of how we look like back home in one of the insertion centers that we work first i think uh, out of a group of 15 that I have that I currently have right now, they will all be crazy to be on the mic. They'll all just run and be in the mic and just imagine in the first session, everyone just talking and saying hi, and you know the excitement of, of the awareness of listening to yourself, I think it's very powerful. Uh, and the things that they, they could possibly say about the experiences that they have had. And it's the experiences that we try also to bring out in the books not what you did or why you did it, but also, but most importantly, what's in your heart right now and how you resignify those moments in your life and how you project yourself to the future too. And the way that you're making meaning of everything that's happening around, which I think it's a very unique opportunity when you write because you are figuring out as as you go, as you write every word and you choose to say this instead of this other thing. So that resignifying process, is is much more important than this identity A or B, or goes beyond that, I think. Right. Um, I was curious about the, I, I've heard authors talking about this experience of hearing themselves and having to, you know, to, to amplify their voices. What, what are the comments that you've heard from, other people that listen to it? Do you have comments in the platform? Like do people can leave comments or how's the feedback that you've heard from listeners?
1: So when we, the first snippet that we had, um, that was Doug's voice, right? And I I sent it to a professor friend of mine in New York mm. and she was like blown away. Oh, and, amazing. And, and the first thing she said was, where is this and how do I access it? Mm-hmm. Right? Because she wanted to hear more. And because she you know she works with um um detained and incarcerated folks in New York mm-hmm. it's like oh, this it's is the, this right this is, how do we make this happen this is you know how do we get involved and take what you're saying or what I just heard on this snippet because um, you would have to actually go and listen to that particular portion of it to sort of understand the power of it this this idea of like choice and choosing um and then uh that. Outliving the expectations that every every or ignoring the expectation that everyone else is places on you, mm-hmm. right? How do you how do you see yourself beyond what every, how everyone else sees you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it's, it was it's, it's it's dope, and it's like wow. how do we figure out? I think we should be trying to figure out how to do it every day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? This is me because this is just a it's a medium that you can get out there. So when we think about when we with with what, what what contextos does right? when We write, we draft, we write we we revise we edit right all those components when you're speaking it's like the revision process is happening cuz you're hearing it back in your head right so you're thinking about damn how can I I should have said this a little mm. differently so you're re- you're thinking about revising can we do a take 2 right you think you're revising now because you actually can hear the who who it, I don't know it was a TV show. Do you understand the words that are coming out? T- uh, was that Chris Tucker right? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? This all I'm thinking about because I'm <laughs> like, I'm re- I'm revising myself as I hear myself. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have said it this way. Mm-hmm. And so as every comment comes out, it becomes this process of thinking. And how powerful is that if we mm-hmm. get people to think about what they say before they say it?
0: Mm-hmm. And just thinking about also the the the, um, you know how how this 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 sound that travels through different networks like this is as primitive as anything, right? Like revolution started with a radio station in a room with people telling their truth and saying what was right and what was wrong from their perspective. And this has moved countries and people to, to, to do revolution.
1: Oh, it's definitely revolutionary. And, and, and because of that, you'll have so, there'll be resistance to it, right? Mm. Because again, we talk about the power of story. People have been sitting around telling stories yeah. since the beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk if we just we go back to the invention of fire and people sitting around yeah. that fire pit that um, and having these discussions about whatever they were talking about at that time. And then we move forward to the, the the advent of the radio and and discussion on the radio that's being transmitted, and even now to podcasting and all these other um, things that's associated with. Um, the voice and how do we mm. move the voice? How do we move conversations mm-hmm. forward through just voice, through talking, right? There's whole stations now mm-hmm. that's dedicated to podcasting. And so who are, who are, who are, who are we to deny the, the advancement of technology, right? Why <laughs> wouldn't we take advantage of it? Because far too often we're left out. And so because our voices aren't there, mm. folks are talking about these things and we're not included. So just think about this, right? If, like, and again, I know it's going to be a hard sell in El Salvador, right? But just think about how powerful it can be if you just have one author, then maybe two authors, right? Maybe three authors. It'll change. It'll be. A, it's a small thing, and it'll be. It. It'll be slow coming, and there'll be resistance, but it all starts with that one conversation.
0: Oh, we'll do it, we'll do it. Uh, this, yeah, we will definitely do it. We need to think about pr- also our alumni, our authors that have finished a part of the process and this I can see as a as a follow up on, on that experience. And I think in a way it makes them more aware of, uh, of themselves mm-hmm. as a second stage of the process. Um, so, yeah, just give me one of those and I'll right, take yeah. it back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're um, working with alumni also because you're, you're right, it's a good way to continue the process because, mm-hmm. I mean, if what we're doing is, is making sure that people have their voices heard, then this is the, the, a logical continuation of that. And what you you guys were just talking about in terms of just the power of, of voice and just historically as throughout mm-hmm. history, how we've, as Johnny was saying, we, you tell stories and we we as humans have always done that since we've had language, have, have told stories um and then now for it to be at a point where podcasts are a thing, I think one of the things that's beautiful about podcasts is that um, it really democratizes the the opportunities for people to have their voices heard because mm. I mean we this summer when we had our podcast program, we visited WBEZ, which is um, our public radio station here in Chicago. Um, and we saw that they had, I mean we they're facility is amazing because it's a full-on production studio (laughs) yeah um but it was interesting that um and we realized while we were there there was a time very very recently where you had to have that huge studio Mm. and that set up to get your voice out there Mm. heard by the masses Mm -hmm. and one of the beautiful things about podcasts that we're sitting here i mean what's on the table is what's going to get it done (laughs) and so you have what i mean anybody really can have what you need now Uh, If you have a cell phone, really, you can you can have your voice heard um, by people who would not have been able to hear it, Mm -hmm. which is why it's great. And I mean, you look at society, you can see that that's one of the things that's been missing. Not everyone Mm -hmm. has had their voice heard. And so people who've made decisions that affect everybody have, you know, not heard from everybody. And so Mm -hmm. they they're ill informed when they even sit down to make those Mm -hmm. decisions. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. podcasts are are beautiful for that reason, that it gives access to so many who Mm -hmm. have not had the opportunity to, to contribute and have their voices heard by people who are making really important decisions that affect them.
0: Mm. Do you have any idea of how many people have heard the, po- the podcasts?
2: Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the thing about podcasts that I think we're realizing now also is that it is, A, there are a lot of podcasts uh-huh. out, <laughs> and yeah. then B, um, it's kind of a slow grow. It's kind of a slow gain in terms of building an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're determined to do is just build an audience through consistency. And so even though our topics will vary from um, Duke, for example, on, on our first season talks about the power of meditation and how he's used that as a way to escape the fishbowl, as he says. Um, or talking about the ways that um, choosing to do right can sometimes be challenged by your peers. And so they're, they're very disparate, kind of separate topics, but mm-hmm. the consistency comes from it being centered around a theme, the theme of complicating the narrative, um, and then giving people more to listen to. So when they check back, they can say, oh, cool, this new episode, mm-hmm. I'm eager to hear this. And when you share it, and you're when the podcast is consistent, then it's more likely that people will share that and say, hey, I heard this podcast. You really got to check out what they're talking about. And then when their friend goes and checks it out, it is that thing. Mm. So I think consistency is a big part of building that audience over time.
0: I can easily see the podcast uh, series being part of a school curriculum. Like yeah. uh, if a teacher decides that today we're going to talk about what? Um Democracy, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's one of our podcasts that has something to do with it, and it's like, hey, have this, have your students listen to it, and let's talk about it. Like, it easily can travel as a text. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be part of different curriculums,
1: and and just think about that, right? The demo- just just using th- when you talk about democracy, right, from a different lens, yeah. right? So how mm-hmm. do others view? De- what does the democracy look like? Yeah. For someone that comes from yeah. the South Side of Chicago yeah, versus someone, like right? Someone that comes from the South Side of Chicago versus someone that comes from I don't know West Westchester or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like what does that sound like? What from does the demo- right from El Salvador? <laughs> what does that look like? what does what how does you know how do we talk about that we how do we have a conversation around these different things because we're all looking at it or examining it through different sets of lenses mm-hmm. right yeah, that will be powerful as a teaching tool i didn't and then that's one of the things i didn't even really say so again we're thinking about this stuff as we talk it out mm-hmm. like what podcasts can be as a teaching tool mm-hmm. right you allow because i'm sure at this point Professors and teachers across the country are using podcasts inside yeah. classrooms to create conversation and dialogue around particular subjects. What if we had something mm-hmm. for that was that was um, what What if we had these podcasts that come that speak to a specific topic, but from a different perspective, meaning that from the lens of folks that you don't normally get to hear? That's pow.
0: It's a wrap. <laughs>
2: Hey, thanks for listening to the Complicating the Narrative podcast. We hope you like this episode. You can hear more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and your favorite streaming services. Complicating the Narrative is brought to you by Contextos. Contextos uses the power of personal narrative to promote healing and reflection and to foster critical thinking and dialogue
1: to provoke change.